if you're watching or listening to this episode, you've made a good choice. Here's what you'll have at the end of it. A realization that so many people are falling into careers instead of picking the right one. And that there are people out there that can legitimately help you find a lucrative career, a job that you really enjoy, one that you're good at, and you can make a lot of money. It's a, it's a must-listen episode for those that are just starting their careers or even those that are stuck at a job for the last 22 years and they want to get out. It's an eye-opening episode. We sat down with Natasha and Adele, and they created a list of money-making opportunities that you may not be familiar with, but things that have developed over the last five to 10 years, industries, jobs. It's an exciting episode. And lastly, stay tuned to the end of it because we sat down with a couple of people over at Yeshiva University about an exciting opportunity for those looking to level up their careers and their salaries. Enjoy this week's episode. Being a Jew, awesome. Managing personal finances, not so awesome. Welcome to Kosher Money. Welcome to Kosher Money. This episode is one like we've never done before. It's career focused and a lot of people are hustling out there in their careers to make money and they're on sort of a hamster wheel. But for those people and the people that are thinking about their financial success over the years to come, this is a a good conversation for them to listen in on. So I'm in the marketing space and I feel that I fell into it, right? Is that is that a common theme for people, um, especially those that haven't found Wayfind or or a solution like yours, where, you know, their cousin introduced them to a business or an industry or their friends were all doing, you know, ABC. So I guess that's what I'm gonna do. And no one really sat me down and said, Hey, what are you good at? What do you enjoy? You know, God forbid you should enjoy your work. Um, is that is that really before you've created this and and you know a model towards a better solution? Did you see a lot of that in terms of people just falling into a line of work? That's how most people do things in our community, right? Because they're not being exposed to lots of different courses necessarily, right? They're not doing a lot of different things, right? Our boys are learning. Mm -hmm. We want them to be learning, right? That's our goal, right? And our girls are on a track. um, And there's not a lot of seeing and figuring things out. Mm -hmm. Um, Now with like the internet, there's more of understanding things like, and there's more access to things. But a lot of people are doing that and they're flailing. They're looking and they're looking and they just aren't finding. Mm-hmm. So you got really lucky, right? You found something that you could like build upon and enjoy and found your niche. Um, does that happen? What percent of the time? That's the big question. Right. That's the big question. So before we get into the meat and potatoes, if someone's listening to this, they're in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, should they shut this off if they're not at the start of their career? Is this conversation relevant to somebody who's currently in a job that may not be, or a career that may not be the best fit for them? Not at all. So we also have uh, a portion of our clientele who's coming, who's already in a career. Mm -hmm. It could be early on in the career. It could be a little bit further on in the career and something's not feeling right. They're not being successful and they're not feeling good. They're not aligned. So they're coming and actually saying, hey, I wanna take a step back 
I want to learn more about myself. I want to learn what options work for me. And it's not always about pivoting and completely leaving what they're doing, using their experience and using that as a foundation to move forward and just tweak the path a little bit is something that they're coming to us for. So we're strategic advisors for these people often, often just to get them unstuck. And um, we absolutely have that uh, clientele as well. So please continue to listen. No, sure. but, but not only that, I mean, most jobs um, have transferable skills, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of jobs are doing a variety of tasks, right? So those are the perfect people to talk to about what do you like about what you're doing? What, what do you not like? What do you think you're good at? What are you not so good at? Because there are jobs out there where we can take this piece and this piece and all of a sudden it becomes this. So you don't always necessarily even need to be re-educated or do a certification. It's more about how you position yourself or how you specialize or don't. Or So if they know more about themselves. So it's actually a quicker process with people that have some experience already because they can talk to these things. It's not as like abstract. Mm-hmm. During the pandemic, I remember businesses that needed remote workers that were very responsible and organized were hiring teachers. Teachers had a lot of downtime and those skills transferred perfectly over to the voids that they were looking to fill. So let's go through this, right? Someone's listening. They are not in a career yet. They call you up. What does that conversation look like? What are you helping? I know in a pre-call we mentioned aptitude tests. What are those? And how do you help them find a little bit light in their search. We get these calls all the time, you know, right? I get them from the mothers. My daughter just got back from summer. This is a very busy time right now, right? Mm -hmm. Daughter just got back from summer. She doesn't know what she wants to do. We tell them, like, the way that we start is we have everyone take an assessment before we meet with them. Why do we do that, right? Because as I said, a lot of people don't know what their strengths are. They don't know what they're necessarily good at. A, because when something comes very easily to us, we just assume it comes easily to everybody, right? So is that really a strength? Absolutely it is. But they're not aware of that. They are being brought up in a bubble on purpose again, Mm -hmm. right? So they don't necessarily know what they're good at. So we use an assessment, which is a very objective way of seeing what you can do well and what's a little bit harder for you. Because the assessment is basically a series of games and exercises each that are timed, and they test different parts of your brain. So time is what differentiates between what you can do quickly and easily and what do you need more time, energy, effort to complete. This helps them a lot with self-awareness. And after when they see these results, they're like, that's why this is so hard for me. Oh, this is why I love this, right? Because mm. we usually like what comes easily to us, right? So they take this assessment, and then we have our first session, okay? Our session's 90 minutes long. And during that session, we put all the pieces of the puzzle on the table. So we'll discuss academically how they did, right? We'll discuss any jobs that they may have had. We'll talk about, you know, their interests, their values, their goals. We'll, we'll talk about, like, any jobs they thought of for themselves. And then we will review the results of the assessment. And that's really core. For us, it's about self-awareness for them. Understand what you're good at. Understand what your strengths are. Hone in on that. Maximize that. Delegate to others what you're not good at, Mm. right? In school, we're taught, get tutors in the classes you're not good in. Why? You're not going to use that ever again. Mm. What are you really good on? Let's, let's, Let's make you great at that. 
How long is that initial, the pre-assessment the, or the assessment before the call with them? How long the is assessment, that take? The assessment itself is just an online test that they take on their own time. So, you know, the, this, the test saves so you can pick it up and put it down and, you know, complete the questions. 19 different questions. They're like brain teasers. We call it objective testing. So you can't game it. Personality tests often are, how do you feel about yourself? And you're, you know, in the morning you may feel one way, in the afternoon you may feel another way. But with this objective testing... It is very precise. And once they complete the test, we schedule a time. We meet with them, as Adele said, for 90 minutes. We do a full kind of self-awareness workup on, on them and a full profile. You really get an understanding of all the different pieces of what makes who they are. And then we can use that as a foundation to uh, begin the conversation about careers, which they do during a guided homework that we provide with them to do research on matches that come up for them and narrow that down accordingly. We then meet with them a second time to really work on that career piece, but we do it within a framework. And that framework includes um, their strengths, their interests, what they choose for their objectives. We rank and rate different career choices based on these objectives. We evaluate the outlook for these jobs. You know, we keep on, you know, keep track on where things are growing and where things are not, you know, which careers are booming and which careers, careers are stagnating, which are emerging and which are, you know, standing still. So, um, that, in, that perspective is important while we're working with them. And, you know, we will get into more kind of how, how it works out prioritization, but that's basically um, basically our process. You know, when a mother calls Adele, you know, in panic, um, uh, you know, about a, her daughter, a lot of times the, they call me with their son. So, <laughs> and, you know, my son is coming back from yeshiva and needs to figure out a plan, right? So uh, we often will get those, those kind of calls and, uh, you know, work with them in a similar manner. Do you think that the mother's making the phone call, not the son or daughter, is that a byproduct of the bubble that we sort of grow up in? Do you get phone calls from a, a go-getting 19-year-old girl oh, totally. that also, it's not just Absolutely. the mothers, right? Absolutely. I prefer yeah. when I get the calls from the girls. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, you know, I'll even sometimes get mothers that say, can I sit in on this session? And I said, it's up to you. I prefer not. You know, I'm happy to follow up with you afterwards. But I want this to be a safe place for her. I don't want to have to say the things that she needs to, you know, her mom mm. might want her to say. And her mom might not even want care that what she says, but they feel bad, you know. So different relationships and different families, right? But the idea is, is for the, empower the girl, not the mother, right? Mm. Empower her to be able to make these decisions, which are always good decisions if it's about her and what, you know, what's going to be best for her. By the way, dad's call too. Dad's a lot of dad's call, call also. Uh -huh. Yeah. And, and the, um, the boys, um, will call, you know, depending on age as well, but dads are also involved. So, so let's go a little bit further back before we get into the nitty gritty. What would you like to see these parents or parents listening that have a child who's seven years old, 14 years old? Is there a recommendation you have for them so that when they do reach the age of career readiness or at least the assessment part of things that they're still in the bubble, right? We're not, we're not yeah, releasing absolutely. them out into the wild, but are there things you can do to better prepare them for the real world as you go through it? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I would say from right when they're young, like the more that people can like 
understand what they're good at and pay attention to themselves and who they are, that can translate into a job later on in life. So if you're someone who talks to people in elevators, right, who likes to have conversation, like pay attention to yourself. What are you doing? Do you color coat your closet? Do you doodle as you're like thinking, right? There's just all these different, like what we think of as details mm -hmm. are there are telling points of you and who you are. Do you connect easily to people? Do you love to learn new things, right? Are you an implementer? Like, like, right, do you like to use your hands like in making things? Like these are things that we see in children. Like what are they gravitating mm. to? Because those things, those are talents that if we invest in them, they can become strengths. Interesting. Right? I think of my own son, he's turning 13 and he loves the woodworking shop and camp and... His uncle is very involved in woodworking and they create things. And, you know, in the back of our head, we're like, okay, he's a builder, mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> um, but but it's just interesting as you go through that. So, so how narrow are your recommendations after you work with somebody? Are they, hey, you're great with numbers, you're totally an accountant? Or is it, you know, you're maybe good in the finance space as that has to do with numbers. What type of recommendations are you giving these people after they're finished with you? So there's, you know, as I mentioned, there are 19 different parts of the test. So there's 19 different ways to look at an individual. There's no magic bullet that says there's a job that encompasses all the 19 different mm. ways, but there's definitely a way that the test creates combinations and lists and matches. The way that the results are broken up, they're broken up in three different ways. There's the way that somebody likes to work, which is called a personal style, how social they are, how quickly they want to see results from their jobs. So we look at things where they're generalists, where they're more broader, more need more variety, more of a team player, or they're specialists that need to really go deep in their knowledge and become an expert and become more of an individual contributor. Do they, do they like to see results quickly or develop a relationship with somebody over a long period of time? The second part is what's called driving abilities. It's your problem solving, communication, creativity, spatial, like you were talking about your son and doing woodworking. We call that spatial visualization. And the third part is really these, what we call specialized abilities, which is the retention and learning. So there's so much in this test that, it, you know, that combines the way you process and behave and think. And then there's also the way you socialize. And then there's also the way that you learn and retain, which helps you in your academic pursuits and the way that you train. And, and, and when you're talking about numbers, it's one of the retention areas. It's one of those called specialized abilities where if the number memory is strong and they have a certain kind of problem solving and, you know, we combine it with some personal style, there's the science really combines a way where all of a sudden we're seeing accounting, it's coming through, but not purely just because of numbers. And people confuse often my math. I'm not good in math, but I have a strong number retention. Math is a more theoretical, abstract sort of uh, strength versus numbers is more of a retention, right? It's more a computation. Can you add? Can you subtract? Can you remember dates, facts, data? If that's on top of your mind and you can think through numbers, um, then there is that financial acumen that, that that would be helpful for those jobs. Is it a deal breaker? Not necessarily, but it would be helpful, Mathematics uses, you know, like I said, more abstract thinking where you're able to visualize formulations, geometric shapes. Those are those are different. Um, logic, you know, how you how you problem solve, right? So computer science, for example, uses a lot of mathematics. It's not necessarily using additive, you know, additions and subtractions. So it's a really a combination. There is a level of complexity, and we work through that complexity to help people understand what they're all 
how they're how all of this combines. A quick break from this week's episode to tell you about Twillery. So if you've been watching our episodes, you know that I am sporting their products. I've gotten two to three compliments just today. I'm unpacking right now a pair of their pants. I'm wearing it. I'm actually wearing a black polo and I threw on a blue pair of pants, these pants right here. And I thought black and blue, they don't match, but I gotten two compliments about how awesome it looks. So if there are any fashion stylists out there and say what I did was an absolute sin, it worked. Um, these are their pants. It stretches. It's machine washable, so you don't have to go to the cleaners every week and drop off your pants. It's a tailored fit, and it's made for performance. Super comfortable. I have three pairs, and you could too. So visit twillery.com. Use my promo code CHAI, C-H-A-I. Chai means 18 in Hebrew. Um, moisture wicking, four-way stretch, cooling tech, non-iron, really, really, really comfortable pants. Got a zipper here in the back. Um, if you're listening to this episode and you're not watching, you're missing out on the visual, but they could be yours. So $18 off, first-time customers. I'm trying to get a code for previous, um, previous purchasers so that they can get second, third, fourth, Time orders going with the promo code $18 off. Really excited about what Twillery is doing, and you can be part of it. My brother Yaakov actually has his own promo code. It's the equal amount of money, but uh, got a little bit of a friendly competition. So I'm not going to say his promo code. So if you actually watch his episodes, you know it's promo code, but use promo code Chai. It's a much better promo code, even though it's the same exact promo code, but it's different. But you'll get the same amount of money off. Okay, now back to this week's episode. As you're talking, I'm thinking back to my own childhood. I don't know why I did this, but when we came home, I would make up these fake math tests and give them out to kids on the block, and they would have to fill it out, and I'd grade it. And I'm thinking about, A, I don't know why I did that, and B, I'm like, am I in the wrong career? Should I be a teacher? Uh, do people reach out to you like from a curious perspective, and they say, hey, I'm okay in my career, but I'd love to do an assessment? Why not? You know, they can double down, validate where they're right. at, uh, think about the future, because when we talking about careers, it's not just what happens today, it's what happens in the future and what's built off of that. The job can take you in so many different directions. You know, once you have experience, you can also then be an instructor and a teacher and a trainer and a mentor. That's leadership development, right? So um, we do do a lot of that, where we're working with people mm. in their jobs, right? And what should be the next step? And where do you go from here? Right, which is all again about how you manage and what can you do better. So yeah, absolutely. We work with people doing that. So if someone is a leader and they know or they got feedback from the people that report to them that, hey, you're a manager, you're really good at A and B, but you stink at C, right? You you give feedback terribly, you don't know how to do it constructively, you're too reactive. Is that something that you would potentially see in the results and then you'd give them guidance slash recommendations yes. on how to work? Yes. Absolutely. So yes. we work with a lot of teams in exactly uh -huh. that because people interact differently, people think differently. So understanding how that person is, you can be more flexible and adaptable. And the manager should be. It should be about the manager making the other people's job, be able to do their jobs well. But we think of it really in the flip sort of way, unfortunately. But it's really when someone is supervising someone else, they should be the ones that are helping understand and make their, their lives easy to be able to do their job. Yeah. So when we talk about the number one sort of most critical ability that one should have or the, the, what they should be 
like in a leadership role is to, is is more of a coach than a dictator, uh-huh. right? Really worry more about the development of others on your team. We work with co-founders, co-CEOs, and work how do they work together? Uh, you know, entrepreneurs. So leadership in a corporate sense, leadership in a small business sense. They take similar testing. It's mm. all similar. A lot of leaders probably nonprofits. A nonprofits. There you go. Yeah. A lot of a lot of leaders tend to get their position because they're good at the tasks they've been given, right? And then they're thrust into a leadership role, and comes along with that things they've never done Absolutely. before. Exactly. I don't. I don't know if a lot of people get that. They maybe learn as they go, but. Leadership training is super important, yes. and it's like a muscle you have to build yes. in order to be a good leader, right? And companies are investing more and more yeah. into that learning and development for leadership and bringing in coaches to do that. So uh, we've been part of that as well. That it's a job, right? Yeah. Organizational psychology, industrial psychology, uh-huh. right? That's that's what people do is that they are there to help guide and support what, you know how they should be. Do you ever get the results and someone says, hey, I really want to do this and and you say, hey, I know you really want to, but the data kind of shows maybe going another direction. So we're talking about the assessment right now. Like what does it say, right? Now that's only one piece of the puzzle. And that's an important thing to, we think of it as crucial, imperative and foundation, Mm -hmm. but there's other things that really need to be considered. So if you have a passion to do something, if you have a passion to be a doctor, let's say, and you're not so spatial, right? And your memorization is not so there, like it's hard for you. As long as you go in with your eyes wide open, passion is incredibly important. So as long as you understand that you're going to have to work extra hard, and we show them because part of what Natasha said was your specialized abilities. How do you learn best, right? So if your verbal uh, memory is not so great, when you read the textbooks and you have to memorize all that, that's going to be hard for you, Mm -hmm. right? So there are all these things that you can do. You're going to have to work extra hard, but if it's worth it for you, go for it. But just understand that in that in this decision that you know you have to know that. So, they are, your interests, your values, your goal—they all play into it. It's not just your strengths, right? There's all these other things you need to be considering. Mm-hmm. You know, especially for a woman who's going to be a mother and and have children, that they are balancing a lot, right? So they have to figure out, okay, what is it that's going to be my priorities, and 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 they make their decision in that way. So it's not. It's, it's a little confusing sometimes and overwhelming with all these things that factors you're considering. But when you put it all on a piece of paper, it's like, okay, I got it. Mm-hmm. I see it now. Yes. Yeah, so we like we, we create a whole data metric so they could see exactly how where they fall in. But we never tell people they can't do something. Mm. We just give them, them the data that they need to understand that it's just going to take a little longer and it's going to be a little harder. It's a matter of time that it takes to do something. We don't come at it with natural strength. How have you seen... Um, stress levels increasing, decreasing, staying the same over the last eight years since you started this, right? The the cost of living has gone up. Cost of Jewish living in particular has gone up. When you're getting that initial phone call from mom, dad, the, the, the person who's looking to start their career, do you see an added sense of stress these days? Or no, it's it's been similar throughout. What I hear a lot is just n- not enough knowledge about what they're talking about. So mm-hmm. I'm pursuing my master's in accounting, and I ne- I need to take get a CPA, and I don't I don't enjoy accounting at all, but I know I need to do that. So 
But and they've also chosen to do yeah. that because they can do. They has a program online that lets them do it, you know, okay. at night or wherever they are, right? So they're kind of making these decisions, and then they find themselves in it. And then what does it mean? And where do mm. I go from here? And that there's just lack of knowledge, and, and mm-hmm. we don't blame anyone for that because where are they getting that from? From you know, speaking to peers the same age most of the time, mm-hmm. and everybody's just getting anecdotal information. Mm-hmm. So when they come to us, we break it down, we unpack it. Mm-hmm. When they say real estate, what is real estate? There's so many different directions. When right. we say operations, is that only in healthcare and nursing homes, or mm-hmm. is that in a wide variety of other areas, right? Do you Can you do it right out of, you know, yeshiva with your accelerated degree, or do you need to add a little more credentials to that? Does this require college, you know, a traditional college or not? All of these pieces we use in order to help guide someone with, you know, with knowledge, with information, with understanding of both themselves and the types of jobs. So that's what we're getting. In terms of the stress level, um, traditionally comes from those who are already with family and in jobs that are not maybe have the same the financial upside. I recently had somebody that came, you know, who's in Chinuch, you know, who's a Rebbe, and he has three children, and the trajectory is not very high financially. What does he do? He came to us uh, with the question of what else can I do? I love teaching. What can I do? So we developed several options for him that he can use to supplement his income in areas that use his strengths. And make money. And make money. Mm-hmm. One area is to pursue is to become, you know, is to pursue the administration route, right? So you can still do teaching, but then there's an edu- you know, additional education need for administration. Another route is very hands-on, very good visually, enjoys technology, doesn't really know what to do with it. There's a great course in information technology that you can take and supplement because there's flexibility in terms of schedule and has control over that he can balance the teaching schedule with the schedule in the technical space. Together, he can make, you know, the, the upside is whatever he can he can devote time to. Mm. The stress also for these young kids is that, you know, they live this life. Life is great. They have no responsibilities whatsoever. And all of a sudden, then it all bump, comes on them all at once, mm-hmm. right? They're dating. They need to figure out their life, right? Like, and, and it's a lot. It's a mm-hmm. lot for them. And they don't know a lot about a lot of most things, so you have to kind of break it down for them and like make it real for them and make them understand, wait, what mm-hmm. is this job exactly? Like, you know, off girls always say, I don't want an off job. Like, what, 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 what's an off job? Right? Like it could be so many different things. It could be marketing. It could be recruiting. It could be bookkeeping. Like, I mean, that's across the spectrum. It's three completely different jobs, mm-hmm. you know? So we have to, wait, let's not judge. Let's take a step, you know? Right? Maybe you do want to off job. You know why? Because like you could potentially work remotely at some point, right? You could be home for your kids when they get home and give them snack and then go back, right? Like, you know, like there's a lot of good things. So we have to talk through a lot so that it becomes real for them. I'm going to just add something. I'm going to kind of go back to um, the question. Um, I started with the idea of people who are already in careers and have already a family. And so there's a stress with that. Absolutely. But there's a lot of stress for boys who've been learning for a number of years come now onboarding into the work world and having those responsibilities, especially if they have a family, because it's not just about, I now have to go to work and figure it out. It's also, there's a psychological barrier. There's fear. 
about now, now, now having to learn something else. Step into the unknown. Right. And so what we're seeing is there's a stress in terms of identity, even mm. can work into shalom bias. It's not just, oh, what options work for me? It's how do I get there? How do I prepare myself? We work on that too. We're not therapists, but um, we structure it in a way to where we minimize that anxiety through showing them that they're good at so many things, that they have superpowers, that we can get, that they can make an income. Start with that. And we show them where their strength lie and what matches them. And that starts to alleviate that bur psychological burden, which is definitely stress. We had a previous guest who recently said that the standard salaried employee is unable to make it in today's times in a Orthodox Jewish life. The monies and the expenses, even with breaks, it's just not sustainable. When you hear a, a comment like that, do you agree? Do you think maybe it depends on what they're going into, but some salaried employees are doing just fine and they're happy? Where do you fall on that? Right. So we have, I have a whole spiel on that when I work. Um, a lot of the time that's coming from a male side, actually, these kind of questions. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we lean first on the fact that um, there's not everyone has the same preferences. Not this everyone has the same priorities. Not everyone desires to live in the most expensive neighborhoods, right? They desire to have a better life balance, work-life balance. They want to have control over their schedule. Um, they want to actually use their strength and actually be happy in a job. And what we believe and built our whole process on is when you work to your strength, your likelihood of success is higher, both financially, psychologically, and physically in all respects. So we start actually not where you want to live, and, and you know, but we start with what are your objectives and priorities. We actually have them go through an exercise. Based on that, we then, you know, guide them through the career options and how to streamline that and what information we need. Because somebody would come and say, I want to maximize my earning potential no matter what. So now we choose differently. And we explain that it may take a little longer, or you may need to have this certain type of degree or a certain type of license. Because outside of going to law school and working for the top firm or going to medical school and graduating with a 250 to 350 entry levels or computer science or engineering. Outside of that, the way that we kind of work with that is say, hey, can we get you to 100 within a reasonable period of time? Mm -hmm. Within three to five years, can we get you to 100 starting out considering that you may not be completing a full, you know, a, a full degree, maybe a completing accelerated degree. Maybe, and, and that degree doesn't give you maybe a, as much as the, maybe a, a certificate or a boot camp. So it's all kind of accelerated, and now you're not really in, in the uh, working space. So to go from zero to 100, it's like going from zero to hero. It's, mm -hmm. it's a big number to get to when you're just starting out in the work world, and especially within a certain reasonable period of time. What happens after 100 is really, you know... You can go into business with somebody. You can become a partner with somebody. You can join a company that has equity and that takes off. Um, you know, you could choose to supplement. We also talk about dual income families, mm -hmm. you know, where that's becoming more and more the norm. 
to have a balance, you know, to have a combination of income. So to us, when we think looking at, when I'm looking at sort of within a shorter period of time or a period of time where young families can still have the time to put in to get experience, to not live in the highest of income, to really just, you know, work hard to learn and to, um, you know, to have that experience. And then all of a sudden they're kind of bumping up against 200 already, right? Yeah. And then some things happen, you know, motivate them to get to a higher level. Those are decent lifestyles and may not be in the most expensive. It may not matter to them. Maybe it's not their priority. Mm-hmm. First of all, there's a lot of programs available out there for young people to take advantage of when they're first starting out, right? So what tends to happen is, you know, the the wives start working full time and they should like work as much as they can before they have families. Um, while the the, the husbands are kind of getting doing their learning or figuring things out, right? So then the women after they've had babies, if they've worked for two years, they can start working remotely and they can slow down. So they start slowing down as the men now all of a sudden can have finished their schooling and they can actually be working full time and getting more of a salary. Entry level jobs you can get at 70, 75, nothing to talk about, you know? And my daughter, for instance, okay, she married a, a boy, learned for five years in, you know, she's got worked, started working right away. They have three kids. He's her husband's in his third year of law school right now, starting. She's supported them, the living life, you know, self-sufficient for seven years. Mm-hmm. She's a UX designer in Lakewood. She works till three o'clock every day. That's a considered a full-time PM, job. Right? 3 p.m. Okay. Right, right. But that's a full-time job in Lakewood, you know? Right. And you can take advantage of WIC program, like all these different programs that help supplement for them. And they're not, there's a lot of people like that sure. doing that. Sure. So it's doable. It's totally doable. It's a matter of just making sure you're supporting each other, right? right? And it, it works out. It absolutely works out. Are they buying $2 million homes? Should they be buying $2 million homes for kids? Not, that's not another question. Start, not no, no, start, but should right. they be, you know, at their age? You know, that's a whole other right. question that we right. should be it's asking another, ourselves. Another episode. Right. That's a, yeah, right. we're not wealth managers. We're just careers. Not yet. <laughs> I'll take an aptitude test and we'll but see we if But we do recommend that as one of the fields, for sure. Right. We'll be right back to this week's episode. But first, a message from Kolel Chabad. Did you know that baby formula is the number one most shoplifted item in Israel? And that's because there are thousands and thousands of people who simply need it. And Kol Chabad's doing it the right way. They are giving it to people free of charge. And because of people like you, they have the funds that they need to purchase the baby formula. They, regardless of religion, regardless of age, regardless of anything, if you come to Kol Chabad, they will help you. They will assist you. They actually have a hospital camp for children that are stuck in hospitals to provide them the joy of what it means to live like a regular child. Forget about the medications. Forget about the surgeries. That's what Kol Chabad is doing, and they are partnering with us to help you have the opportunity to help these amazing children, these amazing families. Many widows are part of their program. Uh, people that simply cannot get by without your generosity. So please visit kolchabad.org slash koshermoney. Make a donation. It can even be a small donation. It means a lot. So many of you from all over the world have donated, and we cannot thank you enough. And now back to this week's episode. So you mentioned UX designer. What are some up-and-coming fields and opportunities 
that most people haven't heard from. I'm always blown away when someone says they are a, a coder, right? I'm like, wow, that's a Jewish job, you know? But some some of those jobs are quite lucrative and, and the schooling is not six years and you can do the boot camps and online courses and things of that nature. Um, we did an episode with Ned Schoenfeld and you know, he was talking about someone in the insurance field, a husband and a wife, and they're they're making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. What what are some um, jobs, industries that you think people either overlook or, quite frankly, they're just not familiar with the world changing ever so quickly? There's a number of fields that are have emerged and continue to emerge, and um, you know we. We look at salary levels, we look at education, we know we look at the aptitudes of the people. So it all has to be, of course, combined. But operations, logistics, supply chain continues to be strong. Uh, a lot of need for that. There's certificates for that, boot camps or just job experience, you know, getting the right place at the right time. What's the job there in that logistics industry? Right. It's the end to end process for distribution, warehousing, transportation, mm-hmm. inventory systems. It's a it's a systems component. It's a management component. Anywhere along the supply chain, you can be yeah. any oh, part okay. of that, yeah. you know, or you can go across the hall. Right. So there's a real, there's a boom in that. I'll tell you, accounting, can't find accountants these days, you know, qualified accountants. So even going back to our traditional jobs, um, you know, CFOs is in big demand. Accountants are a big demand. In technology, you know, cybersecurity has been emerging, of course. I wrote down bioinformatics uh, recently. I've had a couple people. It's all considered data science, I, behavioral data analyst, bioinformatics specialist, AI engineer, cybersecurity analyst, using data to really process and understand um, where the issues are and, you know, build that machine learning technology uh, that's now really part of everything. So coding is, you know, when you take a coding boot camp, you're learning how to code when you get a computer science degree on a college level, you learning how to code an architect and actually develop a product from A to Z. Mm. So that's just different levels. But as, as if you do take the coding bootcamp, you then learning more on the job, you kind of more learning on your own, you're developing yourself on the job. So you're starting at a lower salary, let's say, but you're, you know, you're moving up while you're on the job. So we're still big, you know, proponents if you're meant to be, uh, you know, in in engineering, let it be technology engineering or let it be just, you know, structural engineering. Um, There's still opportunity, you know, opportunity starting salary for an engineer these days is 100 out of CUNY, right? Right. And then in real estate, um, actually, sustainability is a big field that's emerging. Looking at um, what's called uh, an ESG, where uh, looking at ways to, um, sustain how buildings are built in terms of according to carbon and climate and um, all the kind of eco-friendly programs. So somebody can ma- major in real estate and really learn that and become a specialist in that very high demand, 135 average salary uh, on, on even in the lower end. And then, of course, we have creatives, right? We have digital marketing that's continued being strong, UX, and uh, what we call con- content creators, people who like to write, and um, and able to really participate in that creative industry through that route, people management, human resources, and you know using that can be industrial psychology masters or without a masters, you know. So just getting you know work experience in that, but that's a, a really emerging field that used to be just oh it's HR they're just doing recruiting, but now they're doing really talent management and engagement and uh, 
you know, they're doing a lot more at people analytics and really analyzing their people using data for that. Healthcare is using a lot of data analysis. Mental health, of course, is very strong, continuing to be. And uh, people are not just therapists, they're business owners. They own now right. therapy clinics, right? So we in our Jewish world and using our heads, that's why I say, let's get to 100, you know, and then we'll get to the next step. Like, we'll put you in this, let's say, position you into this career. You really learn it, understand it, and then you see opportunities to expand on that in an entrepreneurial way if, you, if you're meant to be an entrepreneur. But... Um, Really, um, you know, we're seeing good creative ways to make more money in sales, of course, wealth management, technology sales, technology implementation, systems consultants. You really can learn a system and then implement that system at companies. And you're on average at 150, 160 and more to grow. Wow. Yeah. I mean, when I asked the question, I was thinking of like, you can either become an accountant, a plumber, or you can own real Kuhlman estate. Kuhlman is a big space. Okay. Yes, absolutely. Construction management, all of those are also very good. So when you think of that list and, and other jobs, which which jobs tend to provide the best work-life balance, right? That's important to people, especially those who aren't looking to chase down every dollar. They just want to provide for their family, right? We're on this world for... 80, 90 years, and they don't want to spend a ton of time in the office. And right, I'm they sure- They want to come home and be with yeah, their family. Right. They want and to enjoy. learn or whatever. Right. What, what is work-life balance, right? Is it working nine five and never them not calling you afterwards? Is it that you can be more flexible with your schedule so that you can be home in some hours of the day maybe and, and then finish up later on at night? Like there's different ways that we define what work-life balance is. Mm -hmm. But the idea is exactly that, that, you know, we are working to live, not living to work. So if you're doing something that you're really good at, usually you can become more productive, right? And and you build up in one particular area that you can do it in less time and you can figure things out and you learn how to delegate. That's the whole leadership part of it, like right? So work-life balance is something that should be a priority, which should be that we can be there for our families and we can enjoy life. And that's the idea of it. And our belief is if you're doing something that you're good at and that you enjoy, that is attainable. That is a team. You might be a workaholic. You might choose to work longer, but you shouldn't be able to do something that you are really good at if you use other people also to be able to have a normal life. That is the goal. So the the, the common phrase, or if they say, if you enjoy what you do, you won't work a day in your life. It's somewhat you know, true. Or? You learn to, yeah. It's I don't necessarily looking for. I feel like passion is something that you develop. I mean, once you are in a in a job that using your strength, you then develop the fact that, oh, I, I am enjoying this also because I'm not struggling, right? And if all things are equal, yeah, it'd be great to have, you know, strength-based job and interest-based job and upside of financial. Yeah, those jobs exist. Um, but you, you know, you develop that excitement and satisfaction as you're, as you're getting, starting to get into it. As a young person, you don't know yet right? We help position, we help guide, we give you information, you make ultimately is your decision. And, um, and once you're there, you're really learning like, you know, areas that are more interesting, some are less interesting. When you're starting out, you're still doing some, you know, administrative potentially mm -hmm. or manual work. And as you grow, you do less and less of that. Enjoyment grows and develops. Does this conversation have application towards 
side hustles, right? Would an assessment help guide someone in in what, you know, they know they have five hours in a, in a week extra that they can allocate towards growing in a specific industry field, even maybe take a course and in a year use that to, to have some income to supplement their primary job. Is the assessment important as well or no, man, if you have five hours, just go after whatever it is. And if it works out great, if not, not. Different as side hustles require you different skills, right? So social media, right? Like a, a lot of this affiliate marketing. Yeah, you have to really enjoy it. You have to really know it. You have to be interested in it. And you have to have certain skills to do that, right? Mm-hmm. Shoot me if I had to post all the time. These, You know, I we hate doing social media. We Everyone <laughs> used to stop, do social media. God get, and we hate it. You can also come it. on a great podcast and that will do yeah, all the marketing Yeah, I mean, that's it. We're trying to do either. Right. Like, this is... <laughs> No, but, it took us a while to get here. But but you have to like choose something that you are A, interested in, that you have the skills to do. So the assessment will tell you about the skills. It won't tell you if you're interested in it or not, right? That's another factor that is very, very important in your, your decision, whether it's a side hustle or your career. What fascinates you? What are you drawn mm-hmm. to? What appeals to you? You want to be reading up on what you do on your side, you know, on your free time, so that you want to be learning about it. If it's like, oh, I don't want to hear about it, I don't care, right? That, that's not a good sign, right? Mm-hmm. It's not a good sign. It's not how you're going to build and grow and be better. Sure. So side hustles to me is just another job, you know, just another activity, another work activity or uh, volunteer activity or some kind of project work that you're doing uh, because you have time or you want to supplement your income. So to me, it's the same process. It's nothing different. Are colleges in trouble? Do you find that less and less people are going to college as the result of the internet, online courses, boot camps, um, new fields, right? To me, and this is all anecdotal, so it's probably not true. But I find that if you want to go to college, it's for a very specific profession, right? You you can't become a doctor if you don't go to medical school. You cannot become an accountant unless you have CPA qualifications. You want to be a lawyer, you got to go to law school. Anything other than that, oh, you want to become a marketer? I don't know if I would direct you to an undergrad in marketing. Is that true or is that completely false? Well, there, there's different jobs that you can get certifications or go to boot camps for. Absolutely no question about it, where you're going to learn the skills that are required in the marketplace and that's it. So that's helpful if you know what you want to do, right? If you have someone, like you said, wants to go into marketing, okay, X, Y, and Z, these are some ideas. But how do they know that they want to go into marketing? In the past, college was all about exploring, taking mm-hmm. different courses, figuring out what I want to do and what I want to do. What That's I don't an expensive do. way to figure it's, it out. Well, not necessarily. Well, I mean, you could say it that way, right? Our community, our, we don't really have time for that. That's mm-hmm. part of the problem, right? So a lot of, you know, the, these girls are going to these accelerated programs, which are fantastic, right? Because they can, if they can hone in on what they want to do, they could just take those courses and, and they're good to go. Part of the problem is that a lot of these colleges have become online also. There's a lot of cheating or not having to really do the work anymore mm. because they can literally Google as they're taking their tests. And like, so that's a problem. So that's why we have to like help people figure out what it is that you want to do. And then, yeah, we can do this quickly. Mm-hmm. You can. They start to not really know what to do when they just say, um, 
trying to figure it out and they don't really know how to figure it out. So college is not in trouble. It's never in trouble. There's so many people out there that, I mean, you know, why you was oversubscribed. You know, you think it's, they're, they're still doing great. They're still doing great. But there's, for people that want to do something quickly, there's so many opportunities to do that. Google certificate, you know, they have these free certificates that you can even try it out. You mm. know, you could do project management, data analytics, you could try cyber, you know, all of them. They're all at our fingertips. The question is, how do you spend your time to figure out which one it is that you want to do? Yeah, that's the the process that we have. It's still the same process, you know, before you start whatever schooling that you start, picking a major or picking the boot camp, right? Uh, boot camps can be $15,000. You also don't want to spend time and money on that if it's not the right thing. But I was just going to say there's a couple schools of thought. You know, there's the school of thought of where, you know, it's very skill-based. It's like vocational almost, right? right? I want to be a plumber. I'm going to plumbing school. I'm not going to take English courses in history, right? Or, you know, in technology or whatever other things that, that Dell mentioned. Um, and there's an acceleration. If you're coming off learning after many years and now you're late 20s, you don't have time to go to four years of college and then another master's degree and so on. So there's options now. Thank God, like really great. And then there's another school of thought, which is, hey, college time allows you to develop that critical thinking, allows you to create critical skills that you learn only through being in a college setting and writing and speaking and working on teams and gaining a broader perspective about what companies are doing and how they do it. And by, you know, pre-med, obviously we just talked about this required. So therefore we have Turo and we have YU and we have CUNY system and, you know, we have the systems that allow those choices as well. So just because one is growing doesn't mean the other one is winding down both growing strong because there's opportunities. We have more jobs, we have more careers, we have more pathways. And now, you know, we have those, both of those options. My kids are all in college programs, for example. What I loved most about college, I went to Turo, um, marketing slash finance was the writing classes. Mm -hmm. Public right? speaking also, those kind of things. And, and, and it helps you, right? As a businessman, regardless of whether or not you do go to college, it's important, right? Like you mentioned public speaking, right? I think writing, speaking, there are just basics, right? Regardless of whether or not you do go to college, whatever business you're going into, you're going to have to interact with other people. You're going to have to be emailing well. You have to speak well. You might have to interview. You might be on both sides of it. There, there are different just fundamental business skills that you need to attain regardless of whatever position or industry you're going to be working in. I don't even know if I have a question based off of that, but that th those are critical yeah, pieces. I think you're that in I agreement think to... with one of the, you know, with, yeah, with what the, we're talking yeah, about. There's yeah. also people that have incredible emotional intelligence, I'll tell you, you know, and they, it just can come naturally to them, you know? So, and not everyone can go to college, right? Not everyone, you know, it's just, there's lots of different demographics. We have lots of different people. So it's, and that's part of it, right? Right. So like, if you're not going to be able to be able to articulate yourself well or write verbally, you know, write whatever it is, right? There's plenty of jobs for you not to do that. We're also looking at, you know, kind of ahead and thinking, are the law schools taking certain degrees? You know, we have to be, we we'd stay on top of that. So everyone is, you know, if we're using the examples of everybody's going through accelerated college and then they, they, they apply for law school and get that LSAT score and they get in, those things are also somewhat changing. So we just have to be aware of, of making sure people don't, don't spend time and then don't get in.
We'll be right back to this week's episode, but first, a quick official real estate tip from our friend Shmuel Shaiwitz of Approved Funding. The question of the week, starter homes. We're not in 1960 anymore. Are starter homes still a thing? The answer is different ages, different stages. There's no one size fits all. I've seen people that go straight into the million dollar plus home, and I've seen a more less crowd of people who go into the starter homes, I think the answer is going to be, depending on what their circumstances are, you need to spend the time to figure out where you are today, what the short-term and long-term goals are, and then make the right decision. So there's no right answer. I think there's no shame in in people renting, right? Renting gets a bad rap. Like, oh, you're still renting. You don't have a home for yourself. And that's fine, right? People develop their careers at different stages, like you said. We do rent versus buy analysis, and each person needs to make the determination at that point in time. But also keep in mind, your income is going to go up. You lock in the purchase price. So these are all things you need away. Love it. If you want to reach out to Shmuel, ask him questions about your home, your career journey, your, there's so many different cameras focused on me. That's actually a light that's looking at me. But approvefunding.com slash koshermoney. You'll find all the contact info there. Reach out to Shmuel. Tell me friends that Kosher Money sent us sent you from us. Now back to this week's episode. I'm blown away always by the business owners that only send voice notes on WhatsApp because they don't have the ability to type. And in some ways, I judge them completely in my head. And I'm like, when you do type, there are typos everywhere. But on the other hand, you are voice noting about your $3 million business, you know, so right, that's right. I guess it's a little bit old school to think, hey, if you're if you don't have or at least school educates you in a specific way that if you don't get good grades, you're not going to be a good businessman. And that's not uh, true. Yeah, no, no it's no. so then that's, you know, options. I often get girls that come and they have really low self-esteem because they didn't do well in school mm-hmm. and they don't think that they can do anything. And the assessment is actually a huge confidence booster for them because I'm like, look at you, you know, and sometimes they're. There are a lot of our young people that can't sit still, right? And they're incredibly creative, right? So they couldn't sit still in class, right? Or they are so fast in their thought process and thinking that school was too slow for them. The teacher repeated the five, you know, five times what the point when she got it the first time. So like by the fifth time, she's out to lunch thinking about what she's doing next, you know, for Shabbos, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's too slow for her, right? So, so. Sometimes it's actually, they didn't do well in school because they need a faster paced environment. They want to be problem solving. They want to be out there. They want to be like, right? As opposed to being more reactive or like, you know, kind of like just sitting. So these are things that like, it's not true. You know, they say that, I I don't know if it was Rabbi Pelkovitz or who it was, but it was, it was the people in Harvard that got C's that were the you know most successful, right? Of being able to like fall and get back up and know what it means. They are in Harvard to start. They, so that's they have why I was laughing when I said Harvard. The, 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 yeah. the bottom line is that you know we everything is customized to the individual. We have so many more options since before, since even when Adele and I started. Um, and you know, so even YU has a, has a full certificate. YU Global has a full certificate program on an accelerated basis. Turo will give you credit for learning. Learning and, and and cut down that time, you know. All these other programs um, provide you with an opportunity to jump to the next step in academics or not do it at all. Because, like Adele said, there's not we have plenty of people who are not academic and they don't. They can but do you better. Could, by but you starting. could do a college degree in a year these days, and yeah. that's people should not be scared of that. 
Right. And that's a really important thing to know and to to jump on, you know, so that these girls in, in three years' time, they could have graduated college and gotten a master's degree by the time they're 21. We go to Israel. We, we work with seminaries. We provide workshops. We work with individual girls. There are seminaries that are they're already on their way. I mean, we already, they're already sitting there with this. They're doing a business degree. This one is doing a, a science degree. This one is doing a, a psychology degree. And we're speaking already to a streamlined group of people ba- you know, based on their majors already in seminary. Wow. So if someone wants to get in touch with you, What's the best way? Is there a website? Is there an email address? Even if they have follow-up questions. Sure. So the website is wayfindcareers.com. And the email address is info at wayfindcareers.com. And yeah, there's information on the website. Are there any wrong questions or you're open to, you know, I'm sure you're going to have a full gamut of... uh, We work with all kinds of people, really. Nothing Mm. is wrong questions. No such thing as wrong questions, right? Right. (laughs) That's good. Is there anything we didn't cover that you feel we should hit home? Any closing remarks to the moms, dads, daughters, sons, people in the U.S., out of the U.S., someone in their 30s, 40s, 20s? What what would be your closing remarks to them? This is my quick one. Just very impressed and really um, uh, give a lot of credence for people who stop, who take a step back, who invest the time and just you know a little bit to a money to invest in this process in an early stage. The reports that they get, the work that we do is lifelong map, mm-hmm. right? There's a number of turning points in life. What what decisions you make at 20, 30, 40 may be different. What goals you have may be different. Even some interests change. But your strength profile and what you're naturally good at and what how you're wired doesn't change. So you might as well learn that and put yourself on the right path and be more informed about your decisions so that your likelihood of success is stronger down the road. Self-awareness, you know, pay attention to who you are and what you're good at and be proud of it. Be proud of it. And that's something that I think is really important. Don't try to just do what everybody else is doing because it doesn't really often equate to success. Mm -hmm. What equates success is looking inward and saying, wow, you know, I love helping people. I love Whatever it is, like, and I'm good at it. I see what I'm, you know, what what I can do, and how do I make that into a job? Pay attention to who you are. Parents, give your child opportunities to do different things and see what they're good at within the framework of Yiddishkeit, you know. And that's really important. It's really, really important. And, and as Natasha said, the, the sooner you can figure out what you're doing and get on a track, the better off you are. People do well when they have clarity. People do well when they have confidence, right? And when you know yourself and don't feel bad if you're not good at something, that's okay. We're all not perfect. We're not supposed to be here to be perfect. Hashem gave each one of us kochos, know what those are and and go with it and run with it. And, and that's really kind of what we try to give over to people. Don't be embarrassed. Understand what your priorities are. Understand what life is all about. Understand what your options are. Really understand. Don't jump to a quick decision or don't do it just because it's a quick you know, a quick program, you know, that fits into your lifestyle. But if you're not going to like being a speech therapist later on, who cares that you were able to do it when you were in Israel? Mm-hmm. You know, like, so we want people to have a little, like, understand what it's all about, understand what your options are, but come from a place of 
who you are and what's best for you. And it's never too late. Life never too late. Up. Yeah. We'll put the email address on the website in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining hey, us thank today. You. It was great thank to you. Be here. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Before you hang up, before you turn this episode off, we have something exciting for you. We're going to hear from Dean Noam Wasserman over at Yeshiva University and someone who is part of their MBA program. Highly recommend sticking around for the next 10 minutes. It's a game changer for people's careers. I know people personally that are going through this program. And guess what? There's a scholarship that will cut your payments in half. Highly recommend it, especially if you're looking for a career change or even starting up your career and you want assistance, financial assistance along the way in one of the top programs in the U.S. and across the world. And now here's my interview, brief interview, but an impactful interview with Dean Noam Wasserman and one of his students. Okay, we're back with Dean Noam Wasserman. He's been a guest on the podcast. He's shared with us in the past about the MBA program, the scholarships. Dean Wasserman, take us straight through it. What's going on? What are you seeing out there? And what's the opportunity today? Absolutely, Ellie. Thank you so much for having us back on. It's great to be back with you. Uh, In a large part because of the mission of Kosher Money that we happen to absolutely love, Uh, the mission that you have to help strengthen the Parnassa prospects of every family in the community. Um, sometimes as we talked about last time, but we can go a little bit more deeply into it if you'd like, uh, sometimes that can come from the best practices that you can learn in a few minutes from Rev. Naftali Horowitz or a lot of the other stars that you have, uh, on the kosher money podcast, or even my early episode that we had fun doing together on entrepreneurship. However, for some people, it can best come from investing in building a stronger foundation for themselves in work ready skills and being able to explore careers being able to really build some functional knowledge that's going to be very valuable to the world. And so that's what we're here to discuss now and also give you uh, this time around a very firsthand uh, experience of understanding from one of our students who's been impacted by the program, being able to get inside the things that he's gained from it. And also he has some interesting reflections on some of the, uh, the challenges that people have to be ready for as they try to do that foundation building. Just to set the table for that, Uh, About two years ago, after two years of design and development, uh, we developed a brand new, very sophisticated MBA program, Master's in Business Administration, that builds market-ready skills while being very aligned with Jewish values. And it puts lots of choices in the students' hands, whereas before it would have been very constraining, might have had all sorts of ways in which options are taken out of their hands. We try to put options in their hands when it comes to the where that they'll do the program, the when they'll be able to do it, and also the what that they do within the program. So just going into each of those three to help set the table. In terms of the where, um, you can be anywhere in the world doing it. We're going to hear from Shmuel Freund, one of our students, who is actually in Eretz Yisrael as he is fully participating in the program from seven time zones away. And so he's going to be able to talk to you a little bit about some of those experiences that he has from being able to do that. In terms of the when, you can start three times during the year. You don't have to just start in August. If it turns out that a January start is better for you, if it turns out that a May start is better for your timing, you have the control over when you want to be able to start the program. How quickly you want to do it is also in your hands. If you want to do it in a very compressed way, you want to do full-time MBA, then it'll take a little bit more than a year, and you can really intensively be able to get that MBA in a short amount of time. However, you can also spread it out a bunch more if you have other things you're doing. If you're working full-time or if, like Shmuel, you're learning in the mirror, 
that you can spread it out and be able to do it in a more measured pace over, over a number of years. In addition, during the program, you can speed up or slow it down. If you get a promotion or some life event happens or some other reason that you want to be varying, uh, either the, being able to do it in a more compressed or in a more spread out way, you also have that option to be able to do it right in the middle. In terms of time, you can time shift within each week. Uh, we just had, we're recording this soon after Tisha B'Av. Uh, Shmuel was able to not do any work on Tisha B'Av and instead be able to time shift to earlier in the week. Uh, when we have the untifs coming up, you can be able to have it be the part of the week that works for you. That you can be able to do your work. And then even within every day, you can time shift to what are the times that are best for you. If you're doing morning and night Seder and you want to be able to do afternoon and <laughs> do the MBA program, you can do that. If you want to time shift to other parts of the day that work for you, then you would be able to do that. And so that's where the when is also very much in the student's hands. In terms of the what, we have a very rich set of electives and soon concentrations that help you develop the latest market-ready skills and really tune into your real strengths and interests that you want to be able to develop. To be able to develop all of those things, we've tapped top faculty. Um, we have full-time faculty with uh, the best of the knowledge of the, the latest of what things we've learned about the world that we can bring into the classroom, PhDs from Columbia, from Harvard, from Berkeley, from Yale, similar universities. And we mix them in with top practitioners who are really bringing their real world knowledge and the things that they've done in the world to be able to bring together the best of the faculty. Just giving one example, there's someone named Mark Finkel, our current MBA director. He was the chief financial officer of three startups that went public. He is now a star entrepreneurship teacher for us and very much interacts with the students and they're able to really learn from him and a lot of the other faculty about the real world parts of how they applied what you are learning in the classroom. Also of interest to some of the Kosher Money audience, uh, we have a generous alum of YU who is dedicated to strengthening the Klaus Parnessa prospects. And so he has given us a five-year commitment to create a scholarship fund for learners who now want to become earners, um, but for whom financial constraints are what keep them from doing so. And his generosity enables us to give 50% scholarships to those who have that financial need, to them or even to their yeshiva world spouses, who could also be able to boost their family's economic stability by being able to get an MBA. Um, and so those are a bunch of the things, just big picture when it comes to the program. Um, I just want to be able to set the table for now. I brought along with me one of the beneficiaries of that scholarship, uh, one of our star students, to talk about his experiences in the program. Um, and to introduce, introduce you, Ellie, to, to, to Shmuel Freund, who's going to be able to talk about some of the things that he's gotten out of it. So, so Shmuel, welcome to the program. You were a learner, and now you're on your path to becoming an earner, right? What, walk us through that. What, what was appealing to you, and what do you feel you got at or, or are getting out of the program? Um, I think the first and foremost thing that's appealing in a program is to keep your mind, keep your head on your shoulders when you go through the work world. That means that when you go into a program like this, you get a combination of a time cushion and a, an awareness of the business world. And you are able to think out, you understand the framework of how things work. You know, you're used to being in a yeshiva, which of course is the connection to the most important things in life, uh, spirituality and things like that. And you're comfortable in your environment. Whereas a lot of people going to the business world, even if you had some work experience, you don't understand how the larger world of business works. You don't understand the basic concepts and the frameworks. And when you go into this MBA program, it gives you 
skills and an outlook that you can be confident and give off a good impression and succeed well when you try to proceed through your career. I think that's a big, that was a big one. I always thought, and, and my friends and I would talk about it when you're going through college where sometimes it felt hypothetical, right? Your, your professor is saying, you know, when you get that business statement, you know, when you're in front of a crowd and, you, and you're like, okay, but did you really live and breathe it, right? How, how has that made a difference when you're dealing with professors that have been involved in mergers and acquisitions, they've been CEOs, they've been involved in the nitty gritty of the business world. How has that changed how you've gone about your your outlook and, and, and just the connection from when they're teaching it because it's real? That's a good question. Um, I think that there's two parts to that. One is that largely, importantly, is as the Dean mentioned, the program is designed towards such a direction, the world towards applicability and relevance. So it's important for you to notice that as you go through the program and realize how it's often centered around real world problems with real world numbers and to experience that and try to live that. Like we gave a presentation on Apple and a crisis it was facing and gave multiple projections. So you have to realize that and you, that's that you have to, you know, pick that up and, 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 and utilize that. And the other half of that is your job in everything online, regardless of where you are in the world, it requires more of your own work. You're, you're not just being supported by people around you. You have to put in and learn the skills, which is valuable in this developing world. You know, that's becoming the new space, the new, you know, sphere is online. So you got to learn those skills. That's another important benefit of such a program where you learn to exist in a professional way in such a sphere. You need to put in, so getting back to that point about the applicability, you need to learn to put in the second part of it. That means imagine it, think for a second, who is talking? Where, where does that person live? Where does that person, what does he do for his life? He's just talking on some CNBC, you know, talk show about Apple. Who is he? What is he? What, what did they do? Where did they get it to the lead up to this point? And you can really use the program then to actually prepare yourself properly if you put in that awareness and that work. Yeah, it's interesting going from the real world to, to the digital and, and the online sphere. I actually saw a meme recently where someone was passing a building and he saw a big Zoom sign where the Zoom employees had to go to a physical space. So that's coming from the, the, the other extreme. So Shmuel, let's end off with this. What would be your message to people that are intrigued by this, but they want to learn more? Do you, for you, was this something that you heard this overnight, you submitted an application? Um, what's your message to those that are somewhat on the fence of whether or not this is something that they should look into? That's a good question. Um, I definitely did not just jump into it. I was suggested to it by somebody and I was skeptical about it as I am about most things. I talked it over with many people, then judged results myself. I thought it over, uh, wrote things down. I think that it's important. One is to really gain a picture of the full breadth of the very many wonderful things and opportunities that this program does give you. Some of which the Dean mentioned, some of which he wouldn't have the time to mention because there's really a lot of them. You got to really be aware of the, pro the, the pros and cons. Part of that is being aware of the many pros of this program. Step two 
would be yourself. That means realize who you are, what you are, what your strengths are. Do you know how to structure your own study time? Do you know how to deal with such challenges online? Online, Think about it. Apply yourself and say, okay, can I learn that? Can I try to learn that? Um, realize what you're looking for. Get a really pic clear picture of what you're looking for. And you'll be more confident in your decision to, if you do end up choosing this program, you'll be more confident and you'll also go through the program more successfully because you'll know what you're trying to get out of it and you'll appreciate the benefits that you learned about before. Dean Wasserman, let's say we hooked a good dozen people from this short conversation. Where do they go? What do they do? Who do they call? How can they learn more and actually apply to a program like this? So if they want to learn more about it, just email me directly, uh, noam, N-O-A-M, at yu.edu. I will connect them with who are the right people. It's often uh, someone named Dr. Linda Lacoste, who is our executive director of the grad programs, uh, someone with whom Shmuel and all of our students have also dealt with pretty extensively. And she can get them all the information that they need and any follow-up questions that they have. Um, if they have big picture things that they want to discuss, I would love to be able to discuss it with them myself when it comes to logistics and the application process. That's where I can con connect them uh, with Dr. Lacoste. Super. We'll put all the links in the show notes. Shmuel Freund, Dean Noam Wasserman, thank you so much for joining us and let's keep in touch. Thank you, Ellie. Thank you also for everything you do for the CLAW. Keep we're doing all the high impact activities that you do. It's been wonderful to collaborate with you on things like this. Thank you so much, Dean. And there you have it, another episode in the books. Thank you to our sponsors, Twillery.com. Use promo code CHAI. Approved funding, Shmuel Shywitz and the team there for all your real estate questions, needs. Look them up. And then kolachabad.org slash kosher money. Leave a donation. Help our sponsors. And we'll be able to continue to help you. Okay? Thank you to our friends over at Mishpacha creating bonus content. So pick up a magazine, go to mishpacha.com, link in the show notes for them and our sponsors. Thank you to our friends at Living Smarter Jewish. If you are listening to this part of the outro, first of all, power to you. That means you're a real, real believer. You want to soak up every word we have to share. Um, livingsmarterjewish.org. Uh, someone just reached out. They want to become a coach. They train coaches if, you, if that's your... Um, talent, your skill, you have what it takes to help other people. If you're looking for help, they have it free of charge. If you have a question and you're not sure where to turn, speak to them. Speak to Zevi and his team. Info at livingsmarterjewish.org. This was a phenomenal episode. If you have a guest suggestion, visit livinglechaim.com. You can check out our other episodes there. We love suggestions. We just put up a kosher money reading list. So if our guests have recommended books and we've put it in the show notes, We've now curated all those links, and now you can buy the books at livinglechaim.com. Clicks off to Amazon, and you are off to the races. Okay, that's the outro. Doesn't have to be longer than this, right? Okay, we'll see you next time. Until then, until then, keep your money kosher. Bye-bye. Living Lechaim.